what's up what's up what's up welcome in welcome back everybody to another episode of the format podcast so if you're here you know what it is you know what we're here to do we're here to talk sports most specifically for this episode we're here to talk the nba finals and we're here to talk game five so if you saw the thumbnail obviously you did of this video <laughs> we gotta ask um is it time to stick that nail in the coffin for the celtics yeah, I think it is. I really think it is. So if you uh, if you saw the last video that we did uh, a couple of days ago, um, we talked about Jason Tatum and asked the question, is he a superstar? Well, I'll tell you what, if you watch that video, if you haven't go back and check it out. But if you had, you know, that my opinion is that Jason Tatum is not a superstar. And so far this series, we've seen that he's not a superstar. And it's not even so much that he hasn't necessarily played well. I mean, if you look at it, he hasn't played horribly. Um, he's hitting the glass, he's assisting the basketball. But two of the biggest things, he's not shooting with a lot of efficiency. I think he's almost 50% from three-point range, but he's at like 34% from two, which brings his uh, total uh, field goal percentage down to about 35, 36. So he's really not shooting well from the floor at all in this series. And I believe he's got 93 total turnovers this playoff run, which is the most in an entire playoff season of any player ever. Now, I'm not going to run away with that because, you know, we got to look at playoff numbers and take it with a grain of salt. Uh, for a long time, the first round only had three games and every player who plays in the playoffs doesn't necessarily uh, play the same amount of games in a given playoff season, right? For instance, uh, the Celtics so far have played, what, uh, 14, 17, um, 22 games this playoff series. If you look at the 2001 uh, champion Lakers, they only played 16 games. They won 15 and one. So playoff numbers can be skewed. You can't necessarily look at them as apples to apples comparisons between players because obviously better teams will get through a playoff run more quickly, not allowing as much time to put up big numbers. But anyway, um, the Celtics are now down 3-2 after game five last night. And going into game five, we know the stat. Uh, when a series is tied 2-2, two two, uh, the winner of game five wins the series 83% of the time. So it looks like the Warriors definitely have a legitimate opportunity. Now, clearly being up 3-2, going to Boston on, I believe, Friday night, they can close this thing out with a win and uh, get a championship on the Celtics floor. Obviously, the Celtics are not looking to allow that. Hopefully they can muster up some Celtic pride, right? And uh, at the very least, send this thing back to uh, Golden State for a game seven, at which point you never know what happens in a game seven. However, it's my estimation that the Celtics are done. Even if they win game six, I just don't believe that they can beat the Golden State Warriors in back-to-back -back games to secure this championship. That's no slight on Ime Adoka. That's no slight on the Celtics players. I just feel like, I feel like the Warriors are the better team here. You're starting to see flashes back to the early Warriors in terms of their strength and numbers mantra. You're seeing other guys stepping up in the absence of when their major stars aren't playing well and really giving the, the type of support which allows them to continue winning. So for instance, we saw Steph Curry last night. I think he was five of 16, all of nine from three which coincidentally snaps his 132 straight game playoffs, uh, playoff games with a made three-pointer. That was a record. And between regular and playoffs, uh, 233 straight games with a made three-pointer, also a record. So that uh, that's now over. 
whoever thought you'd see Steph Curry go a game and not make a three, right? Even when he shoots poorly, he makes at least one. But uh, that that's now over. I don't think the Celtics can hope to see Steph Curry shoot like that again in this series. He he may not light it up and give you another 43, but chances are he's going to have another very good game. And the Celtics got to be careful defensively, knowing that he's going to be coming out looking for his shot in game six. Also, you got Clay Thompson, affectionately nicknamed Game Six Clay for his heroics over the years in, in game sixes. So the Celtics got to come out and be ready, obviously, not just to defend their home floor, but to defend their season because they know that if they lose this game, the series is over, the season is over, and the opportunity to hang number 18 is uh, is now gone, and you got to start that pursuit all over next season. So uh, what, what we're seeing here, it's so interesting. And quick side note, I mentioned Andrew Wiggins, big 26 last night. I believe that was a playoff career high. He really played extremely well. It's so funny. Um, Andrew Wiggins played really well last night. And earlier yesterday, I actually saw this clip with Mitchell Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins' father, who was playing for the Rockets in the 1981 NBA Finals uh, against, coincidentally, the Boston Celtics. And I looked and I'm like, genetics are so crazy because Andrew Wiggins looks and moves exactly like his father. But you know, it's his father, right? But I just thought that was so interesting. Number one, seeing that. And then number two, the same day that I saw that clip was the day that Andrew went off in his uh, in game five to really put the Warriors, his team in the driver's seat of, of this uh, championship series. So again, the Celtics can't expect Steph Curry to play again the way he played last night. Uh, I don't think you can expect Klay Thompson I think you should be looking for Clay Thompson. He hasn't gone nuclear yet. He hasn't had, a, had that explosion. And that can happen at any time. Um, Draymond Green played better last night. He's he's not a guy who his contributions are, for the most part, going to show up on the stat sheet or in the box score or in the highlights. Like, he does all the little things. And, of course, we know he defends at an elite level. He rebounds. He passes the ball. He, he does the little things. He's, you know, if – He's one of the heart and souls of this team, right? Obviously, uh, Clay, Draymond, and Steph are the core of the team. Steph is the engine and makes it go, but Draymond is probably the heart of the team. So just, just watching and seeing the way Golden State played last night, and Jason Tatum finally stepped up. I think he was 50% from the floor last night. He had 27 points, but it wasn't enough. For the Celtics to survive this thing and even win, you're probably going to need one of those games like, like the 46-point uh, masterpiece that he had in the Milwaukee series going uh, bucket for bucket with Giannis. Jason Tatum is going to need to find one of those somewhere. Now, we know what an excellent defensive team Golden State has been throughout this playoffs, this entire playoff run. But this is where, if you're that guy, and again, I don't believe he's a superstar, but he's clearly the best player on his team. If you're that guy, you got to step up, put your team on your back, and make it happen one way or another, right? Um, if you go back to the 2010 game seven of the uh, Lakers, again, coincidentally, Boston Celtics NBA finals, Kobe, and I think I've talked about this before, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with his jump shot. He was like six of 20 or six of 19 or something like that. But he refused to lose. He had to will his team to a win. So what did he do? He contributes 15 big rebounds. I believe that was his playoff career high. So we, we say it to say that if you're that guy, and many times we look at it as when we say put the team on your back, you got to score a lot of points to get a lot of big buckets. And 
the guys that we admire for the most part. We look at Magic Johnson in game six of his rookie year when Kareem couldn't go, when he had 42, 15, and seven um, as a rookie against 76ers in the finals to secure the championship. Um, we look, of course, at, at Michael Jordan um, and his numerous huge uh, NBA final scoring outputs. Um, you know, you look at those guys and you say, those guys generally would carry the team by scoring, but it's not always that. There was a lot of games where the great Bill Russell, the greatest winner in history, he didn't do it by scoring. He blocked shots, he defended, he grabbed rebounds. We saw that a lot of times. So I think we just need to look at it and say that Jason Tatum, for him, it's probably going to have to happen through scoring, but it can happen other ways. He has to, there's, there's a lot of times during this series that he's kind of looked lost, um, but he's got to commit leave it all out there, commit to defending, commit to rebounding, commit to assisting. If your shot's not falling, you have to do everything else. Also, I know it's the way modern players are coached. I know it's the way the modern game is played. Stop falling in love with the three. And that's not just Tatum. That's the entire Celtics team. I'm watching the game last night. The Celtics are within six. They could cut this thing and possession after possession, bad threes, bad threes, bad threes. And, and the Warriors were doing it too. But the point is with the Warriors, they they had the lead so they could kind of get away with it. But still, it's amazing to me how many players and coaches don't understand time and score in the modern NBA game. If you're trying to get back in the game and you got an open three, yeah, I guess you got to take it. But pulling up, taking bad threes, taking contested threes in traffic on the break, what happened to attack the rim, get an easy bucket? Attack the rim, get an easy bucket, maybe get fouled and one. Attack the rim, get a foul, go to the basket, get two free throws. Like, what happened to that? Everything does not have to be a three. And so I can't completely blame the players, but Tatum, you have to be aggressive. And I talked about this again on the last episode. You got to get some of that uh, Jalen Brown mentality. Attack the rim, go at him. Don't just settle for the long jumpers and the threes. Yeah, we know you can make that shot. We know your offensive game is talented but you've got to be aggressive, attack it, put them on the defensive, because if you're attacking the basket, now they're going to start backing off of you. And now you can get that stroke going. I mean, this seems like common sense, right? I, I, I don't, I don't know, but you've got to be more aggressive. You've got to attack it. If you're looking to score, if not, again, commit to the defensive end, commit to passing the rock, commit to rebounding the rock, getting extra, helping your team to get extra possessions. These are all key things. Um, I shouldn't have to say that I'm not a coach. I've never been a coach on any level, but these are just like regular basketball, um, uh, regular basketball trudies, right? These things are things that you see on every level of basketball that are successful in allowing you to win. So again, I guess we, we, we got to ask, is this series over for the Celtics? I say, yes, I truly don't believe that the Celtics are going to be able to take two in a row off of golden state. And it's not necessarily because they're not good enough. It's not because they don't defend enough. I think Golden State, Golden State is probably the slightly better team. But what we're also got to think about coming into this series, the Boston Celtics had a combined zero games of finals experience. The Warriors, well, we know they're three-time champs and they've lost two times in the finals. So that's a lot of games on this stage. They know how to handle it. They know how to deal with it. They know what it takes to get it done when you're at this level. And... Yes, X's and O's, execution, what players can can and cannot do in between the white lines are the number one things that make the difference. But there are those intangibles. And 
whether or not players have been here before really can make a difference. I mean, at some point, yes, you got to break through, but having been there before, it helps a lot in terms of how to manage it, how to deal with it, what to do in certain situations. It really does make a difference. So, um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, again, um, Golden State up three to two after the big game five win. The winner of game five in the series tied 2-2 wins the series 83% of the time. And now we're going to see if Golden State can hold to that. If I had to bet on it, I'm not a gambling man. But if I had to bet on it, I would say yes. I think that Boston is going to exhibit some, as we said, Celtic pride and maybe get this thing back to Golden State for a game seven where, hey, in a game seven, you never know what could happen. But I would, if I had to bet on it, I'd put my money on the Warriors. Just too much championship medal, too much championship experience. And even though he didn't play well last night, I have a feeling Steph deep down does not want to be denied. And he he wants that finals MVP, not because he doesn't know how great he is, but I think because he feels like that's going to maybe uh, take away some of the chatter. Uh, that finals MVP, like I talked about a couple episodes back, it doesn't it doesn't change his legacy. It doesn't fault him into the top 10, like some people are saying. But at the end of the day, when he's all done and playing, and when he's all done playing and you're putting guys in order of where they stand on the on the historical, uh, not Mount Rushmore, because I don't think Steph is ever going to be a Mount Rushmore player, but you're putting guys where they stand in terms of the the historical tiers, those things start to matter. Not just what you could do on the court, not just who you could beat, but your accomplishments and your accolades and your stats, all of it comes together and plays a role in your overall career evaluation. Now, we know Steph is a Hall of Famer. We know that already. We know he's the greatest shooter of all time. We know that already. We know he's a two-time MVP. We know that already. We know he's the first unanimous MVP. We know that already. We know that he's a multiple-time champion. We know all of this. We know he may be the most unselfish superstar in the history of the game. We know all this. We know that he's a baby-faced assassin. He looks like a nice guy, but he got a mean streak once he gets going. And he wants to, he wants to cook dudes. <laughs> Chef Curry, they call him, right? So we know all these things, but it seems like pretty much the one thing missing is that finals MVP. And most of the guys on that level have a few of those. All right, so that's it for today. Um, thanks for tuning in to the Format Podcast. You know what it is uh, if, if you're here. And you haven't already, please click that subscribe button in the lower right corner of your screen. Also, uh, make sure you click the notification bell so you can be notified when new episodes of the show come out. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show and enjoyed the content, click that like button. Uh, if you want the audio-only version of the podcast, um, please, wherever you get your audio podcast, just type in the format podcast. We should come right up. Uh, if your audio podcast platform allows you to, please give us that five-star rating. Also, if you can, leave a comment here on YouTube or on your audio podcast platform. All that stuff helps us move up in the algorithm. Appreciate it. Uh, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with other sports fans you know who might like it. And I'm out. Peace.